0: Get to oversee New York City's billions. I'm Jarrett Murphy from citylimits.org. Hey, and this is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette.
1: How are you doing today?
0: Doing well yourself, Ben.
1: Not too bad, not too bad. Uh, It is safe to say that uh, it is a crazy and intense time in New York politics.
0: Yes, I think uh, that is very safe to say.
1: I am riding the wave, uh, but also... Fairly overwhelmed by all that's going on and all that we have to uh, cover and and dive into. I'm enjoying it, but it's also there's just a tremendous amount going on. It's almost the end of January. We've got the primaries coming up in June. There's obviously the government side of things going on. There's the continued battle against uh, COVID nineteen and the vaccination effort. And then there's this uh, unbelievably busy and important New York City election season that's that's underway.
0: Indeed, and we'll be trying to fill in some of those blanks and color in some of those spaces today by having on two more candidates who are running to be the city's chief financial officer, but to be city comptroller. That's uh, Senator Brian Benjamin and Assemblyman David Weprin. So we've had uh, Brad Lander and uh, Kevin Parker already on the show or the podcast, two other major Democrats running. There are others in the race, including a new name just in the past 24 hours. Right, Ben?
1: Yeah, uh, Zach Iskell, who we had on the show um, as a mayoral candidate, has decided to stop his quest to be uh, the leader of city government as the mayor and is dropping into the controller race. Um, so that's a that's an interesting new wrinkle. Um, and there's other candidates uh, sort of percolating, filing with the campaign finance board and possibly jumping into the race as well. Uh, that's including uh, Michelle Caruso Cabrera, who recently challenged Representative uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez uh, for Congress. She's filed with the Campaign Finance Board to possibly jump into this New York City controller race. And so it's getting a bit more interesting. We've had kind of these four main candidates, um, all of whom are current office holders at the city or state level. Uh, But now it's getting a little more crowded, a little more interesting. And of course, this is the role of city controller, which um, doesn't get a lot of attention either in government or in election season, but is immensely important as a citywide office and a major check on uh, the mayoral administration and a major steward of the city's finances.
0: Yeah, it's a major office, incredibly important uh, place with real substantive power and a stepping stone to, if not become mayor, at least run for it. One of our top mayoral candidates this year is Scott Stringer, who has spent the past eight years or seven years, I should say, as city comptroller. So yeah, it's a very important post. And yes, we've recently, uh, just in the past hour or so, on CityLimits.org created a new guide to the race, and we did have to add a few names at the last minute with some of these um, kind of late, uh, late arrivals. And some of these candidates whom we didn't know very much about, and we're starting to learn more about. Um,
1: I'm, you know, I'm happy we're talking with these candidates for city controller, and folks should definitely find the interviews that we've done with Brad Lander and Kevin Parker in recent weeks. Um, and now we've got two more Comptroller candidates on the show today that I'm excited to talk with.
0: And the Comptroller's office was in the news this week um, in a very important way, talking about fossil fuel divestment. That's something that the mayor and Comptroller Stringer committed to a couple years ago. Um, they needed time to explore what that would mean for the pension funds because the funds are primarily there to pay retirement benefits to people who worked for the city for years. Um, but the announcement this week that... Uh, actually three now, three of the city's five pension funds have agreed to divest some $4.1 billion in stock um, from fossil fuel reserve companies, which is a particular kind of designation, and put that money into uh, other investments, including green investments, to try to get the same return. Um, You know, a kind of example of The way that the comptroller, through what to the untrained eye seems like a kind of boring set of bureaucratic uh, responsibilities, can really weigh in on some pretty substantive policy areas. So that's something that you'll hear all comptroller candidates talk about. One thing that is interesting to see, especially with people in the race like Brad Lander, who is you know a noted policy wonk and a guy who's had a lot of hands and a lot of different progressive policy dishes, is how people want to use the office kind of beyond the pure. Financial aspects that come with the job under the New York City Charter, weighing into things like housing and even uh, criminal justice reform. Uh, And that's something that if uh, you listen to our previous interviews, we'll be talking with two candidates today. Certainly, if you're looking at those candidates, that's something interesting to see, not just what their ideas are, but how they intend to use the mechanisms of the Comptroller's Office to achieve them. We've reported on how Comptroller Stringer has proposed a lot of very interesting policy over his years, dozens of ideas, um, many of them are ideas that he uh, was unable to directly act on himself. Some he was, and some he got uh, the mayor to do. Um, But it's an interesting uh, role for this uh, position to be proposing policy without a lot of direct control over city agencies, uh, but significant financial powers in terms of investment, uh, reviewing contracts, the other aspects of the job. Yeah,
1: it's it's very interesting. I mean, I think, you know, uh having the city controller put out policy plans is fairly helpful as long as they're doing, you know, the core responsibilities of the job well. And, you know, we uh, um, we will have to pick this conversation up, you and I, another time, Jared, because I'm interested in your take on whether, you know, the sort of shareholder activism is the right approach and whether divestment from fossil fuel companies is the right approach. You know, there's people like state controller Tom DiNapoli, who has recently moved a bit on this, but who has felt like, you know, you your first priority is the fiduciary responsibility of the, pension holders. And then also, you know, very often uh, you can make a significant impact as an activist investor by, you know, using your leverage and not necessarily divesting, but but using your shareholder leverage to make change at companies. So, you know, there's a lot of different dynamics here that we'll get into with the city controller candidates whose opinions, no offense, are more important than yours and mine. and, and we'll get, you know, get their take uh, very soon here from from two candidates for city controller about some of these issues. And so let's bring on our first guest this week. Uh, it is State Senator Brian Benjamin, who is a Democratic candidate for New York City Controller. State Senator Benjamin, thanks for joining us here on Max and Murphy. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Uh, thanks for taking the time. So. Uh, you're, you're jumped into this race for city controller. Uh, last time, uh, we spoke, you were on this program. It was a little bit, uh, before, uh, in the months before things really got going in this election cycle, we were talking about, you know, the devastation of, of COVID and how to address the state finances and all that. And now fast forward several months and, uh, we're in the new year here. You're into this race that's fast approaching in June. Uh, but tell, tell our listeners why you want to be city controller. Sure. You know, thank you for having me. First of
2: all, uh, you know, the first responsibility of the comptroller is to protect the pensions of the retirees. Uh, I'm the only candidate running who has relevant investment management experience to help make sure that our that our pension funds are stable and that we don't provide more resources from the city's budget to help to help uh, contribute to the to the pension fund. Last year, it was $10 billion, $10 billion that was provided in the city contribution. That number is slated to go up because we didn't hit the 7% uh, hurdle rate that we're supposed to. This past year, we, it was at 4.4%. We need a comptroller who actually um, has the investment management experience and is qualified to help oversee a $230 billion pension fund. Also, we need a comptroller who can root out waste in the city's budget, and I am the best person qualified to do that as well. Uh, you know, I'm presently chair of the Budget and Revenues Committee, sit on the Finance Committee in the Senate, uh, have been a community board uh, member in Harlem, chair of the community board, spent years looking at education, public housing, all of the key issues that you worry about um, in, in, in my district, they are, they, are, they are here and live and well. I have the background to understand the issues. I have financial the financial experience to help manage the pension fund, and then I also have the sort of public policy experience to help make sure that we can hold the city accountable, hold the mayor accountable, hold the city council accountable to protect every single dollar. Because as we are coming out of COVID, we have to make sure that every dollar is spent. And it's focused on outcomes, not just focused on we got something accomplished, whether or not
1: it led to the outcomes we we, we needed. Say a little bit more about what that investment uh, experience was. That was um, you you haven't been in the state Senate that long. You've had more of a private sector uh, career uh, before moving to the state Senate. Say a little bit more, though, about what that that private sector experience was and how it prepares you for this role. Oh, great question. So. First, just to give you a little a context, you know, I was born right here in
2: Harlem, uh, went to Catholic school from K to 12, uh, Brown University, where I majored in public policy, Harvard Business School, where I majored, uh, focused on investment management, and left um, Harvard Business School and spent some time at um, Morgan Stanley, where I, was, where I was an investment banker for a few years and spent a few years doing private wealth management, helping endowments and, and uh, large institutions uh, sort of manage their their uh, retirement assets. And I was actually uh, there at the time when the 2008 crisis hit, and there was a lot of concerns about asset allocation, manager selection, uh, portfolio diversification. And I really learned in the private sector how you construct the best portfolios that not only mirror the needs and, and desires of the actual retirees in this case the pension uh, the pension fund uh, of retirees who care these five separate funds but also making sure that you're providing them with the adequate returns uh, that they need in order to to succeed we have a defined benefit program um here which means that every month these are slated to receive a certain amount of a certain amount of capital we have to make sure that the the funds are are functioning. And I don't know how someone who has no finance experience, no experience in the best of management, is, is qualified to manage thirty billion billion, uh, I think it's a dangerous uh, thing to do, particularly in a time like this. We need the pension funds to, to um, be maximized, those returns be maximized, so that there's less obligation from the city um, uh, to be, to be uh, uh, contributions to the pension fund. I mean, that's a very important issue. It doesn't get as much ink and attention as uh, sort of the 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 holding the city accountable piece of the job, which I think is very important, holding the NYPD accountable, etc. We do have to make sure, though, that we talk about the first order of business, which is the $230 billion and how that's being managed for the retirees and
1: also to protect New York City. Do you know uh, from, you know, the outside, and I know sometimes it's a little bit challenging before you really uh, have gotten under the hood here, though I think some of this is possible while you're running, um, right. do you have a sense as to what is wrong with the you know the current approach that you would change in the role to to uh, you know invest those funds to garner a better return? Do you have a sense of whether it's a philosophical approach or actually a strategic approach um, that you would take that would change things there? So good
2: question. I have talked to a number of the different trustee boards. There are a couple of different concerns around how long it takes from when an investment is approved to when an investment isn't implemented. That one concern I need to I would need to see that and understand that better. Um, I do think though, you know, I'm on the board of Brown University and I spent a lot of time with the investment committee and Brown University's endowment has had very strong returns year over year for the last 10 years, 12% return over the last 10 years, last year 12%, just a very phenomenal uh, sort of uh, returns. And part of the, 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 the premise is you want to first talk about sort of asset allocation uh, and how you uh, look at which uh, sort of asset classes are looking to do well over the next year or two or three. It's, it, you, you almost have to be sort of a generalist about the, about this as opposed to having a very rigid – this is the sort of asset allocation that we employ, which is 30% equity, this percent fixed income, this percent, this percent. But you do something that's a little more fluid, and then you focus very heavily on manager selection. Trying to make sure you get the right people who have unique experiences and skills that can help um, provide outside returns for the for the um, for the retirees. I think that's an important piece. But I will say to you, I think there's a second piece to this, which is this is a public pension fund, and you are living in New York City, where we have some key crises that we can invest in, which not only create. Uh, uh good returns that are uncorrelated uncor- with the markets but provide an important value for society for example affordable housing you know i used to build affordable housing before becoming a senator in the private sector these are adequate r- returns definitely over seven percent but if you but if you focus on making sure that we have a strategic plan in new york city where we're building affordable housing for those who need it at the income levels that are required, you will generate a good return for the retirees and provide an important public benefit. We have over 600,000 units of affordable housing. That is needed. It's clear. We already know it, but we're not looking at the city strategically to say, Let's figure out how we're going to build that affordable housing across the city. And every community has to be involved. No community can say, well, we don't want affordable housing here. Cause we have, we have different rules that we're, that we're applying to ourselves. And you can also look at permanent supportive housing because we spend over $6,000 a month for a family and a, a temporary permanent temporary shelter over 3000 for an individual. There is no way you can't convince me that we can't figure out a system where there are a number of hotels that have real issues. We can have the controller's uh, resources, the investment fund, be part of a plan to acquire some of these hotels and and convert them into permanent supportive housing. That's the kind of thing where you can provide good returns for for the retirees while dealing with a public service need. That's a win-win, and those are the kinds of things that I believe I would look at as controller. and anyone who would want to be controller should be looking at, because we should be trying to figure out how to deal with our public uh, policy uh, needs, while at the same time providing adequate returns for, for our pensioners.
1: And I'm the only one with, with that experience, and so I think it's mm-hmm. important to, to bring that up. Yeah no thank you for for outlining that. So so speaking of your personal experience though um you also uh last summer joined the board of directors of a company and that's that's caused uh, a little bit of a kerfuffle here in the race. Do you want to explain uh to to folks what role you took on and why in your estimation it's okay to take on a new outside role outside of your your government role? whether you're a state senator or you're running for city controller, either way, um, you know, why you made that decision and and why you think that that, that's okay? Sure. So last year I was asked to uh, sit on
2: the board of a special purpose entity that is is, almost out of Canada to look at potential uh, acquisitions of companies that are not affiliated with New York. I went into the New York Legislative Ethics Commission, I brought up the, the, the request, um, and quite frankly, I was asked to join this board to over, to look at some of these acquisitions because of my investment management experience and because they thought I was good at analyzing investments. But that aside, I went to the New York Legislative Ethics Commission, talked to them about the issue, broke it down to them. They said they issued a comprehensive opinion that there was no conflict of interest in any way of me joining the board. and. And I moved forward. I made sure mm-hmm. that the companies we were looking at were in no way, shape or form involved with any businesses that were against my values, some private mortgage lending, nothing of the sort. And that is, that is what I, what I have, uh, have done. I don't believe it's a conflict of interest because the, the legislative like ethics commission said it wasn't. And mm-hmm. in, and in no way is any of the, the business, uh, the, the business that are being looked at, um, uh, in New York, et cetera. So, I feel very, very comfortable with, with that decision. And,
1: um, and 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 just your decision to to do it is, is this. You know, this is um, you know, another good experience for you. I mean, you know, sort of why I, I, you know, you you outlined why they would come to you for some expertise. why why do it? Oh, so for me at the time, you know, I thought um, and. And I still do you know
2: analyzing investments, looking at potential opportunities. that's something that I have an experience in I thought it would it would be a helpful uh, thing for me to sort of re-dust that off. I hadn't been obviously in the in the private sector in that capacity in a in a long time, and I thought it would be something that would be uh, a positive experience for me, and and a way for me uh, to to participate uh, in in, um, in this opportunity, and that's why I, I looked at doing it, and, and knowing that it was not in any way un, uh, unethical, I got the I got to, like you the ethics commission's
1: opinion. That's that's what I look to do it. So let's come back to um, you know looking looking ahead to the the role of city controller. Um, you mentioned earlier that one of the most important role uh, you know parts of the job is the audit function is overseeing uh, city spending. Talk about how you'd approach that part of the job, auditing city agencies, monitoring the city budget. Um, are there things that you would do uh, differently than we've seen previous controllers do? Are there uh, city agencies that you'd taken a, sp- a special interest in that you don't think have either been paid enough interest in or you, you think there's really a lot of, uh, you know, sort of waste or, or other problems? How would you approach that oversight function?
2: Thank you very much. You know, one of the things I think uh, I would like to have as part of my legacy is that I audit uh, issues that are of concern and that I turn those audits into um, recommendations that can then be uh, advocated for and then hopefully implemented. And I think uh, there are a couple of places that I really want to focus in on um, on day one. One is I'd like to look at Uh, housing and economic development. I feel very strongly, uh, particularly coming out of COVID. uh, We have to look at our public housing. We have to look at, you know, how money is being spent there. And I would like to have an assistant comptroller for housing and economic development who would really kind of look at uh, this conversation across the timeline, working with the, the different age, the different um, uh, uh, bureaus uh, across the process. So, kind of someone who's like a relationship manager over these topics. I think that is one. Secondly, I like to do uh, a similar thing for education. I really believe that we have to look at education in a in a, in a unique way. We are able to educate people in Manhattan and and, and in certain neighborhoods uh, in in the wealthier communities, but not able to educate them all well in in the, in the poor communities these in the public schools. Why is that? What are the dynamics? I want someone to sort of really oversee that and have us go from audit to uh, implementation um, right across the board. And then I believe very strongly that the New York Police Department has to be uh, looked at very seriously. We need police accountability. It is the, it's one of the biggest issues that, are, that, is, that, is put, uh, that we're facing right now. Uh, we are completely concerned about uh, uh, systematic racism, race, racial inequity. You can't have that conversation without talking about the police department. So I want to audit the police department budget and, and, and root out the waste that is not helping us get to public safety. So I want to have an assistant control for public safety where the where the main agenda is not more law enforcement only for public safety. It is more public safety. And so whatever the right size of the police department, that should be the case. But if we also look at mental health, look at. Uh, sort of uh, workforce development, small business services. we have to look at you know the range of issues that impact
1: public safety, and that's what I'm committed to doing. Have you weighed in? Do you think um, from your stance uh, at this point, there was this big question around the size of the NYPD budget. Uh, It's been roughly a $6 billion operating budget uh, annually, though there's other costs related to uh, benefits, capital costs, uh, settlements. Do you have a a stance on what you think the right-sized NYPD budget would be? I have a stance that says I believe that the, the budget definitely needs to be defunded. Uh, the,
2: what, I do, what I feel like we need to do though is we need to have a thorough audit to be very clear about what needs to be defunded because it's not essential for public safety. And for me, my frustration with the conversation right now is people are just throwing out numbers and no one's starting with the facts that are driving the numbers. So where exactly is the roughly six billion dollars how is that being spent what is it being spent on we should have a full auditing of that so that we can then say okay wait a second this part doesn't make sense that part doesn't make sense this part doesn't make sense that part doesn't make sense and oh by the way we should take this part of that part, and we should put it someplace over here we be better spent doing some something else or in some cases instead of you know uh, using law enforcement for Mental health uh, related uh, cases, we should have another approach. So I think I think it needs to be an interagency conversation around public safety.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: I don't feel the need to just throw out numbers for political uh, political points. I think it's important for the comptroller, as the chief financial officer of the city, to be the person who lays out all the facts. But so at least we can fight over the facts as opposed to fighting over Twitter and talking points and who's who's just sounding more exciting. Uh, this is serious business. There are real people lives at stake. You know, just the other day in Harlem, we had a situation where a young woman um, almost had her eye bitten out. Uh, so we've got real issues across the city. Those need to be addressed. But at the same time, we don't want situations where we have George Floyd scenarios where people have where there, where there are knees on people's necks, right? So we have to handle all of this as a complicated issue, but that that is why it needs to be handled seriously. And we need to start with the budget. We need to outline, and then we can have serious people have serious conversations around what is necessary and what is not necessary for public safety. That mm-hmm. whatever ends up from that analysis, that's the number I
1: support. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we're going to have to leave it there. State Senator Brian Benjamin, we really appreciate the time. It's good to hear about your platform for City Comptroller. Uh, we're now here in January with the primary ahead in June, so we'll certainly be asking you to join us again as the race really heats up and more and more people are paying attention, uh, thankfully, to, uh, to interviews like this and, and all the other appearances that, that you're making and the work uh, you and your fellow competitors are doing on the campaign trail. So thank, thanks very much for joining us. Thank you for your time. I very much appreciate it. All right. Take care. Take care.